Sorry, I don't love you. A friend I've grown accustomed to. Cause with you, if something isn't wrong, something isn't wrong, something isn't right. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. This week we have on Tim Hardy to talk all about All-Star Superman. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Pretty good. This is our first Superman topic on this podcast. So how do you feel about that? Do you think it's about time now? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Easily one of the best DC characters, one of the most underappreciated characters in general. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know you've seen me post about the comic book-related episodes and the chorus forums and whatnot every once in a while here, so this is going to be another edition. You are the second Chorus FM comic book thread person to join me on a podcast, so it's pretty cool that that is something I can use to connect with people not only for comic book discussion, but also having you guys come on the podcast now. Yep, and I always accept any... Uh, opportunity to just ramble about stuff I like, so I, I'm i excited to just rant about uh, superheroes much as I do in chorus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, in that case, why don't I let you go ahead and give us the lowdown on All-Star Superman, you know, the writer, artist, and what it's all about. Okay, so uh, All-Star Superman, to those who don't know, uh, is a 12-issue limited series that was uh, written by Grant Morrison and illustrated by Frank Quietly. Uh, I, I think it's pronounced Quietly, even though it's spelled like Quietly. I yeah. was looking it up, uh, but yeah. I know I spelled it wrong the first time I was putting it in the doc. I was like, nope, that's not right, <laughs> but I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. For the longest time, I even started picturing it being spelled Quietly. And then I was like, right. wait, no, it's Quietly. But regardless, <laughs> uh, the idea of the All-Star comics uh, was DC had the idea to do these sort of <laughs> definitive, uh, like, runs, like, definitive character stories. They did one for Superman, and then they also did one for Batman that was significantly less well-received by uh, Frank Miller and Jim Lee. That one was just not quite as good, but, and then they ended up not doing any more after that. Uh, but, uh, this all-star Superman just ended up being just really fantastic. Like this great love letter to, uh, the character, everything he represents. Like it's a very modern comic with the art and just the storytelling style, but also very reminiscent of like the golden age back in like the fifties and forties. Just, just a really great mix of both modern and classic, which I think is really where Superman works best. Uh, I'm sure at some point in the podcast, but I won't yet, but at some point I'll ramble about how much I hate the Zack Snyder version, but like in the movies, but this <laughs> right. is very, this is very much so the antithesis of that, like very much so just being like, okay, Superman is genuinely a good, pure character and the world is the world as it is, but he is this genuinely good and powerful person in the world, and let's see what happens. 
Right. And I suppose we should note that there currently is an all-star Batman series going on, but I don't think it's quite the same idea that they had when they did this one. And then the all-star Batman and Robin from Frank Miller, like you had mentioned. So, you know, maybe they'll bring back an all-star Superman again at some point, but with as well as this comic did and still does to this day, it's kind of like, oh, do you really need to like revamp this one and do another release on it? Because to me, you know, I initially had checked this out from the library and I didn't realize it was 12 issues. I thought I was getting the full thing when I checked it out and it turns out it was only the first six issues. So then I was like, oh man, they don't have volume two. So I kind of just sat around for a while and then I think it was a day when my local comic book store, which sadly is now shut down, they were having like a 50% off sale or something like that. And I went in and I grabbed that. I believe I also grabbed the death of Superman. So I'm sort of trying to, I don't know if I'll necessarily even out my collection Batman and Superman wise, but I've slowly been adding the Superman books. And this was definitely one I had heard a lot about. And I'm sure probably from you in the chorus group that I mentioned or the chorus thread that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember reading those first six issues. So when I was going back recently and reading the rest for this, I still went through those first six issues just to be sure I was sort of up to date on it and everything. And I was going through and I was like, yeah, I, I'm remembering why I like this so much and why I was so bummed that the libraries by me didn't have that second volume. So, you know, I'm really glad we chose to do this because it gave me a very, very good reason to go back and finish it. And, you know, a lot of times when you think of a mini series, you don't necessarily think that one can be so powerful for a character like Superman who has had so many stories done about him already. And, you know, this one I think is sort of one of the go to Superman stories that people recommend when either people are getting into comics in general or when people want to dive into Superman. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's a good marriage of modern and classic. Uh, so it's a it's really good for that element. And also, it's just really accessible. Uh, and also, even though Superman's a great character, for whatever reason, a lot of people struggle with knowing how to use him. Uh, like, don't really get the character. Right. So I think, I think that contributes to uh, the whole, like, struggle to... Like, I mean, you're, even if you were like a huge Superman fan, like I, I make sometimes to a tongue in cheek exaggerated extent, like clear that I prefer Superman to Batman. But even so, I think I own more Batman than Superman things just because a lot of people know what to do with Batman. Right. Superman, Superman's just harder for some reason. Yeah, I don't have nearly as many Superman comics as I do Batman as far as what I've owned, but you know, I've been going to the library more and more recently. So I've been pulling a bunch of Superman comics from there. Like recently, I read Secret Identity and I have whatever happened to the man of tomorrow checked out right now, but I haven't gotten to that yet. But it's just sort of one of those things where this story was so well done. And that sort of leads me into the next part that I want to talk about Morrison's story specifically. You know, a lot of people are iffy it seems on whether or not they like Grant Morrison's stories because 
while I haven't read much of his Batman stuff or any of it, actually, I do have some of those books, but I'm sort of waiting until I get them all so I can read them in order. And I feel like when I hear about Morrison's Batman or his Batman and Son and Batman and Robin stories, people seem a lot more on the fence with those. But for this, I just really felt like he understood Superman, like you were saying, in a way that not everyone does when they write the character. And I feel like he did such a great job depicting how great of a guy Superman was and how despite having this, you know, solar radiation that is slowly killing him. Obviously, spoilers for anyone who hasn't read this, by the way. That's that's the beginning of the first issue. People are fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But going forward, lots of spoilers here. So, you know, (laughs) Morrison gave him this thing in the first issue. He gave him this dilemma. And throughout the 12 issues, it's like, okay, he he gave it to us right up front. So we sort of know what to expect by the end of the 12th issue. But we don't necessarily know how it's all going to play out in between. And I think what he did a great job was giving us this big thing with Superman right at the start of the comic and then working the story in in so many different ways that even when, you know, you were aware of the solar radiation killing him, you still felt he was Superman and that he wasn't necessarily dying. And you sort of got this sense that everything would still be okay by the end of that 12th issue. Yeah. And and one crazy thing is he's dying, but at the same time, the way Morrison did that at the beginning really made Superman more powerful, too. So I've heard right. people say that they like All-Star Superman in part because it has the mortality aspect to it. But at the same time, like it almost felt like Morrison was like rubbing it in the face of people who say, oh, Superman's too powerful. He's like, I'm going to make Superman even more powerful right. and, and still make this really compelling story around him yeah so are you generally a fan of morrison's writing or is he one of those writers where it sort of just depends on the characters that he's writing about um for most writers in general i'm really bad at like keeping up like there aren't many writers where i've like really eaten up a good bulk of their work but what i have read of morrison i've uh really liked uh besides this the other big morrison i really Morrison thing I really like is uh, his new X-Men run, which also had some Frank Quitely in it, but along with some other people. uh, like That had a similar, but also fundamentally different, because it's the X-Men, but just like the big epic storytelling thing. So, at least of the Morrison things I've dabbled in, this, X-Men, and a little bit of his multiversity event thing for dc but i've i'm only like a fifth of the way through that so far but that's another like like morrison is just one of those people who's really good uh at just telling these really big epic stories with these big crazy ideas but also making them really grounded like they don't get too heady but they just feel big at least from what i've read i'm sure he has a wide range of stuff like i'm sure he doesn't get as big with batman but or maybe he does i don't know i still need to get to that stuff like i like that in his run for at least part of it i don't remember how much but for part of it 
uh, Dick Grayson was Batman instead. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I think with Morrison, he's done so much work that, you know, it. he's one of those writers who it's going to be hard for anyone to get through a good chunk of his work. And, you know, he's done this. He worked on action comics for a bit and all of the Batman stuff we've already mentioned plus some other stories that weren't necessarily in that same continuity as like Batman RIP and everything like that. And you mentioned some of his Marvel work too. And we haven't even, you know, touched on Doom Patrol and some of the more, I wouldn't necessarily say obscure stuff because there are definitely people who like Doom Patrol, but it's not, you know, one of the big main DC titles like Batman or Superman or something like that. And he's worked with Frank Quitely a bit, I believe. I think he worked with him, like you mentioned, on part of that X-Men run. And then he had, what was it, JLA Earth 2 with him? Yeah, he did that with him. Uh, he also did, like, of that Batman stuff, He some of it quietly did. I don't think a lot, but he did a little bit of that, too. Uh, the multiversity thing I was talking about. That right. story unfolds in a bunch of one-shot stories, and one of those uh, was by uh, Quietly. So, like, a bunch of, like, things, like, scattered throughout. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when you have a writer and artist combination that have worked so well in the past, it's sort of easy to keep giving them more things to team up on. And, you know, I loved the art in this as well. So the way that Morrison wrote the story and the way quietly penciled it and everything. And then you, we have Jamie Grant on inks and colors there. So the way the whole story came together is I, I think what makes it so good for me, because I'm not someone who's really nitpicky when it comes to the art, because honestly, all of these comic book artists can draw better than I can. So it's sort of <laughs> to me, like, who am I to judge them on, whether or not something looks exactly how I would want it to, because, you know, I'm not the one drawing it, nor would I ever be able to draw a full comic book, probably, even if it's just a single issue. <laughs> You're much nicer than me. I <laughs> couldn't pull it off either, but I'm I'm so critical. But, <laughs> but I know what you mean, though. Like, there's a lot of, like, really good artists out there. I'm sort of the opposite, like, because I'm such a visual person. If I like the story and characters enough, I can sit through, like, okay art but if the art's like not quite to my style like the art can really make or break something for me like a good recent example of where the art elevated a bad story was that super controversial and not very good uh civil war 2 that marvel put out last year the okay. story the story felt really flat and i'm a bendis apologist but it just wasn't his best work by far but the art by David Marquez was so good. I still bought every issue because I just loved looking at it. So I'm definitely, the art's one of the most important things for me. Uh, and thankfully, as we were saying, the art in this comic is fantastic. I wouldn't say that I don't pay attention to the art. I obviously do because I'm reading the comics to begin with. And, you know, as you probably know, I review comics over at Talking Comics roughly once a week it's been a little less than that lately but i do mention the art in my reviews because obviously that's thing that's something people want to know about but i never really feel like the art is 
so bad that someone shouldn't read the comic, especially coming from, you know, DC, Marvel, or Image. They're usually pretty good at getting the artists who can do the work and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, sometimes I do feel like the art's just okay, but then when you have someone like, say, Greg Capullo on Batman, and it just sort of completely takes the character to another level for you that's something i can still recognize but i've never really you know flat out bashed anyone's artwork in a review or anything like that so for me it's like you know if the art is great that's great obviously and that's something i will pay attention to but if it's not up to those same standards like this art from quietly or like i mentioned greg capullo on his run with scott snyder on batman to me, if it's just okay, it's not necessarily going to break the story for me because as someone who writes, not comics, but just writes in general reviews, writes about music and everything like that, I think I tend to focus more on the story. And if that is good, then the art doesn't need to like blow me away for me to still enjoy the story. Yeah, and comics really is a medium where both is really important and they both like tie in right uh and different people just lean different ways uh of course i I mean i've definitely here and there read some comics where i pushed through because i like some characters involved but the art was really rough so maybe someday you'll get really unlucky in your reviews (laughs) and stumble upon something really bad but most of it's at least adequate like there's a lot of like house style stuff as they say that's right not great but it's serviceable but it for me if i had good writing and great art or great writing and good art ideally you want both but as long as the writing's adequate i i gravitate toward art mostly like myself yeah definitely and you know Obviously, people get into comics for different reasons, too. So with this sort of being, like we said, one of the ones that is almost a go-to recommendation for people getting into comics, what do you think it is about this story that just makes you want to tell people to read it? Uh, Well, I think, uh, like we were saying, it's a lot of the story in the art and also the characters. And it just has this like perfect storm where it's all very mature like you don't feel like a child reading it like it really gets to your head and to your heart but there's also like this bubbling optimism to it all like just the symbol of hope that superman is and like what he represents and it's just like for this story like it's just this perfect blend of uh epic storytelling but also a lot of imagination. Like a lot of my favorite comics like this and for some current runs, like I really like the current Silver Surfer comics. There's been some like Fantastic Four ones that do this uh, in recent years. Well, not too recent, but it it's just that sense of like imagination and just like feeling like anything is possible. So I think this comic just more than almost any other I've read is able to hit that perfect ratio of the reality and the imagination and potential of like what you can do. Yeah, of course. And that sort of leads us to the next 
thing we want to talk about, which is obviously the characters. And you mentioned Superman being that symbol of hope and how he's really portrayed as a good guy in this. And, you know, I know you mentioned not being particularly fond of Zack Snyder's version of Superman, which I think a lot of people, especially the ones who have really dug into the comics that Superman either appears in like Kingdom Come or just his solo titles in general, a lot of those people I feel like share that same feeling on Zack Snyder's version of Superman and how DC is sort of trying to make it a whole dark world (laughs) for them (laughs) in the movies and everything. So Superman here, complete opposite from that. And I think that's sort of what gives this story all of the emotion that you find in it. Because like we mentioned from that first issue, we find out Superman's dying And, you know, we're still left thinking there's always this hope that he's not going to die because he's Superman, who thinks Superman is going to die anytime soon. You know, he's like this god to everyone on Earth. And, you know, up until probably issue 11 or issue 12, it's just like, okay, he's still going to make it. He's still going to make it. And there's always this hope throughout the whole book until it ends, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and even the end has some ambiguity. Like, there's that shot right. of him, like, repairing the sun. Uh, so there's still the idea, like, uh, like there's the idea that he maybe does come back eventually, like this specific one. In fact, uh, my reading of the uh, that one with, like, the time travel where there's all the different Superman, the, like... Right. The golden one, like the Superman uh, Prime, I think he's called, like when he comes in, like that, uh, I'm 99% sure is the actual Superman, but there's some ambiguity of like, I mean, something like Superman Prime exists like in other continuities, but it happens after spending thousands of years in the sun. So even if that one does survive, everyone else is dead. So it's like it's a new character. Uh, but yeah, there's that. There is that like sort of goodbye though at the end. But throughout it all, there is that hope. Like even as he dies, quote unquote or whatever, he's right. repairing the sun. Uh, there's the like project to potentially clone more Superman. Uh, there's just all this just inspiration of creating more. And I think that's one thing I like about Superman a lot as a character, especially in this story is the fact that he leads people on. Like, uh, there's like, ah, he just is really good at trying to set that example to be like for the humans to follow after. Yeah. And somewhere, I have, I don't remember where, but, like, I forgot to put a bookmark in that spot, but at one point, uh, he has that, like, dream sequence uh, with his uh, father, like, on Krypton, or however all that's working, like, in sort of the afterlife-ish, but he's told, like, you're setting this example, and the humans will follow, and they'll stumble and fall, but eventually they'll achieve that. And I think that really gets at the heart of who Superman is. And sadly, 
some variation of that line does show up in Man of Steel, but the movie does not express that actual mentality. But they still use the quote because even though they don't understand the character, even they, like as the filmmakers knew, like this is a special sentiment, the sentiment of Superman going forward, uh, solving all these different like world issues, all of these immediate human issues. Uh, and through it all, he's setting the example for humans to go and do the same, to go and do likewise. Exactly. And with Superman, obviously, comes Clark Kent. And it was interesting in the paperback trade that I have in the back, you know, how they often give you some little extras, some sketches and that sort of thing. It was really cool to see side by side the difference that Quietly had between Superman, you know, standing tall and having Clark kind of slouch and stick his stomach out so that people wouldn't think he was this big buff guy until I believe we get a moment in the comic where Cat Grant makes some comment about it. Yeah, she makes a comment. I think she's like observing like his butt or something. Which, <laughs> right. Which, which more power to you, Cat Grant. Uh, that sort of reference in the Supergirl TV show ish, like she was really into like Clark Kent Superman there. I don't know. I mean, why not? But yeah, I I think like uh, Frank Whiteley sells the Superman Clark Kent as two different people, but the same better than pretty much any other artist like it's just like i would love to see some filmmaker and actor try to pull this off someday just with like you described like i've looked at the same thing before the slouched over uh clumsy uh like a lot of depictions of clark kent are more the like timid awkward shy person and i think that's cool like Far be it for me to ever talk down on the great Christopher Reeves and his version of Clark Kent, but I think that's something really special that Frank Quietly did, where instead of being small and awkward and timid, he's, like, too big for his surroundings. Like, he's stumbling around right. uh, clumsily. But I also like the detail that as he does that, He's, like, secretly helping out, too. Exactly. That was what I was going to bring up, you know. Morrison and Quietly sort of teamed up on this idea that every time Clark was looking like a bumbling idiot or a stumbling idiot or something like that, he would be saving someone's life in some way at the same time. And I think that really added a lot to the character of Clark Kent. You know, Superman is never off duty. So he's always helping people and saving people, even as Clark Kent. And, you know, that sort of brings us to Lois Lane, too, because we have that full episode where, you know, Clark tells her that he's Superman, and she still doesn't believe him, and he takes her to the Fortress of Solitude. She still doesn't believe him, and, you know, it was just this sort of great Lois Lane issue, in a way, because she is a journalist who knows how to get to the bottom of a story, and you know, the Clark Kent and Superman relation was one she could never really get to the bottom to, to the bottom of. And I think, you know, we saw a lot of that come out in that issue. And then with Superman giving her his powers for 
24 hours uh, and you see the joy on Lois's face as she gets to sort of be on this same pedestal, even if it's just for a day. Yeah. And she's so like giddy about it too. Like I love like her and Superman, like flying at the monster at right. Brawl. And uh, as they're doing that, like Superman's concerned, like he's in Superman mode, like caring about his surroundings but she just has this like sly smirk on her face like like i i'd have felt cheated if there hadn't been monsters like like this is awesome right uh like this comic really captured the fearlessness and also the inquisitive nature of lois uh and i like that she's so set on like superman and clark kent being different people <laughs> right in fact, I feel like rereading this recently, like I couldn't tell really like how clear, like at the end, ultimately she knows, but like, I don't know like for what percentage of the comics she really knows. Like I think late in it, she probably still is skeptical, which is actually sort of a love letter to the golden age because in the old, uh, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, like, comic books. It was just this running thing. Like, for whatever reason, the writers decided they wanted Lois to keep trying to prove that Clark Kent was Superman. And she would always almost find out, and then somehow Superman would trick her. And it's, it, I mean, it's enough to make, like, somebody go mad. Like, it's almost like a Golden Age version of... I don't know if you ever watched Phineas and Ferb, but that obsession of, look, look at what these kids are doing. I swear this is happening. And it keeps pr being proved over and over again wrong. Right. And, and that's really like sort of like what that is, like her like not believing him because it's she's tried to prove it over and over again. And he's like, nope. Which I feel like would probably get some trust issues. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and we see that when he first tells her because she's like, well, what about the time Clark Kent presented you with this? He was like, Batman was standing in. And then he always <laughs> had, you know, an answer for it. And even then, she still didn't really believe him. And I think with this, maybe when it finally finally clicked for her was when he was stuck on bizarro world for two months mm. and it's like okay superman is gone for two months and clark kent is gone for two months how are you guys not putting two and two together by now especially lois because you know i'm sure some excuse could be made up like oh clark went back to kansas and you know he went back to smallville whatever and then it's like how do you make an excuse for superman though yeah at that point like you would know uh, so one thing, like you said, like she's just investigative reporter. I think that's part of that dynamic of being fooled over and over again and all these elaborate, uh, really funny, like ways to prove that they're not the same person. I like that explanation because otherwise there's no way, unless Lois is like really, really bad at her job. Which <laughs> we know she isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So otherwise, there's no explanation for why she wouldn't know. So I do like that sort of like subtly answering that question, uh, which I don't know. Maybe some people don't think that. Maybe they're willing to accept her being bad at her job, but clearly she's not. Right. Yeah. And I think the character that was changed the most in this comic 
is definitely Jimmy Olsen because he's not the typical Jimmy we tend to see in the comics. Like, yes, he still has his little Superman watch and everything, but he is so much smarter in this and he's not just you know superman's little photographer buddy he is involved with project i believe or he sort of like goes undercover and does all these things and we see him in you know like high heels and a mini skirt at one point holding a blonde wig so it's like he's much more invested in his work and he is definitely very intelligent in this and i feel like not every Superman comic has portrayed him that way by any means. Yeah, in fact, that's a very rare depiction. Like, I mean, besides this, the only other, like, really, really, like, intelligent, competent version I can think of is the one in the Supergirl TV show, who's a fundamentally different character, like, super handsome and all that, versus, like, this one. But this is a really good way of giving him more of a character while not letting him be that old golden age, like goofy, naive buffoon. Like I like that he's, uh, he's like sort of like silly, uh, but also like really cunning and just really aware of the world. And like, it, it definitely had like, there's that like sort of slapsticky element to him, but they definitely gave him a lot better like material to deal with in here. Yeah. And I think he was featured a lot more in this than he necessarily might be in other Superman comics. And, you know, it's funny that you bring up Supergirl because I would say 99% of the time I forget that he's supposed to be Jimmy Olsen because, <laughs> you know, everyone calls him James in the show and everything. And I'm like, Oh yeah, he's supposed to be that scrawny little dude from the comics, you know? <laughs> and it's definitely an interesting way to portray him because here he's still sort of the scrawny small guy, but he is much more capable than he is. And obviously with Supergirl, they're taking him in a totally different direction too, I believe, with the whole Guardian storyline and everything. Yeah, they're def they definitely like completely reimagined the character for that, which is fine because he's sort of a hard character to do but then again like this pulled it off and i mean hey anything's better than just having a casual cameo for the fans in a movie uh like hey this person who randomly got shot dead in the beginning of the movie if you look at the credits that's jimmy olsen not that any filmmaker named Zack snyder would ever do that but <laughs> yeah yeah and l lastly we have lex luther as you know, one of the main characters in this storyline. And I really felt like this was a strong Lex Luthor storyline as well, even though he doesn't need to be in it super prominently, I would say, you know, he's spending his time in jail and Clark goes to visit him in jail and that sort of thing. So he's not necessarily in a position to do as much damage as possible. But you know, he's obviously already done the damage by, you know, forcing Superman to save the project employees on their mission. And that's what gives him, you know, the radiation and everything that he sort of, well, not sort of, he really can't control it. And I think, you know, Lex is obviously one of the biggest 
Superman villains, even though he's not someone who is going to necessarily physically be fighting Superman. You know, Lex is all about using his brain to do everything he can possible to get rid of Superman, and he has finally found something that works. Yeah, the, the sort of funny irony, like, in the end, which Superman kind of points out, is as much as Lex did finally defeat Superman, sort of, in, like, making him fatally ill and then die or kind of die at the end, at the same time, like, the some of those final feats, especially the final one, to go into the sun, fix Lex's mistake, uh, and, like, save the literal sun that we all need. Like, Superman mentions he wouldn't be able to do that without the extra power that Lex gave him. So, right. So that's just sort of a funny little detail. But, yeah, like, this is... Like, every single character in this story, like, Lex is handled fantastically. I just love, like, his... Uh, I like that he thinks he's smarter than he is, but he's also very smart. Like, you wouldn't want a Lex who wasn't brilliant, but, like, he's, like, ten times smarter than any other human being and feels like he's 20 times smarter. Like, I just... Exactly. I just love the arrogance to that. And I, I love the really subtle, weird detail of uh, whenever Clark's in prison with him, when he accidentally wipes off his eyebrow and needs to repair it. And he's gloating and being all boastful, boastful about all this. But, but like, in all of his boasting, he didn't realize he had wiped off an eyebrow. Uh, <laughs> and, also, and also when he's condescending to uh, Clark Kent, bumbling around, but Clark Kent uh, saves his life from his own device by, like, pulling it out of his hand before it explodes from a bad spark. So, like, there's just all these, like, little things like that where he's, like, not as competent as he thinks he is, but he's so sure and full of himself. Uh, and, and he just, he thinks he has all the answers but then, like, Superman, when punching him out at the end, mentions, like, okay, like, if you had all these answers, if you wanted to really save the world, you would have done this long ago. Like, he's just, Lex is so fixated on Superman. Exactly. With him being so full of himself, too, I think that's partially what gives him his limitations, because he is so busy thinking about how great he is and how he's going to do this and that, that... Instead of spending all that time boasting about it, he could just go out and do it and not worry about Superman. You know, if he has ideas that could save the world, then who cares if Superman is around for that? You know, if his ideas are truly going to save the world anyway, not destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, all Lex in the story really wants is to be the smartest and best person in the room. And I love that dynamic. I love that Lex, part of why he is a foe to Superman, is Lex is the perfect example of someone who wants to be better than everyone else. And Superman is someone who is better than everyone else but doesn't care. He wants everyone else to be better and to build them up. But Lex just wants to tear everyone down, and he's fixated on Superman because he wants to just destroy him 
so he can show that he is the real alpha male, brilliant mind, etc. But the sad element of it is Superman wants more out of Lex than Lex wants out of Lex. Superman cares about even Lex and wants even him to be a better person, but he's so obsessed with being perceived as a better person that he never gets to be a better person. Exactly. So obviously you and I both really love this comic, so I think that's going to make this next section a little hard to choose just, you know, a few, but what are some of your favorite moments from this series? There's there's so many, but like the biggest one that I constantly go back to, I don't know if it's my absolute favorite. I mean, throughout this, I gave a lot, but it's, I don't know, one of the most powerful to me is with that like young girl who wants to uh, kill herself, uh, Reagan. And there's that beautiful one page thing. And it's in the midst of Superman doing all these big, bold, crazy things like creating an alternate world without him to make sure the world's going to be okay without him uh, and solving, uh, curing cancer, all these crazy things. But he takes this chance. He takes this time to just show up and just tell this girl, your doctor really did get held up, Reagan. It's never as bad as it seems. You're much stronger than you think you are. Trust me. And there's that beautiful shot of them hugging. It's, it's one of my favorite like Superman moments in general. Like if I had to show someone why Superman's a great character, this would be one of the, if not the like first pages, like I show someone. Right. And it's not even that the girl was a danger to other people, but it's like he could sort of hear this cry for help in the distance. And he knew that despite it not being, you know, like a major catastrophe that we're so used to seeing, especially, you know, with Solaris and this and everything, he still takes that time to go do that, even though, like you said, he's in the middle of things. And I definitely think that was a standout moment. And for me personally, it's sort of really hard to, like you said, pick just one because of how much I enjoyed this comic altogether. But I think one of them is definitely that scene we mentioned earlier with Lois flying around with Superman and her saying, you know, she would be disappointed if there weren't any monsters. I think that sort of just gives you the whole picture of Lois in a different setting. You know, we didn't have to see her as a reporter in that moment, but she still wants to see the action and be a part of the action, even though if in this specific instance, it's in a different way. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Like, I love Lois in this. And that whole that whole issue where Lois is flying around with the powers, the whole issue is just one of my favorite, like, issues in this whole thing. But, but like we both have mentioned, like, like, if I had to point out another top, like, moment, I would kind of steal the same one because what I mentioned earlier of her like flying forward and that smirk on her face like I just love that and even at the beginning of the issue when she's drinking the formula and just says bring it on like that urgency I just I just love that like so many great moments with Lois in here like that 
Yeah, and then later in the series, we get Lex with the same formula and everything, and just the stark differences. You know, Lois is well aware that this is more as a present to her, and she's going to have fun with it, whereas Lex wants to use it to destroy Superman still. And, you know, obviously that doesn't necessarily work, and... Lex sort of loses track of time and it starts wearing off and you can just see the completely different intent with these two characters and how they feel about Superman just from those specific moments of them taking that serum that Superman made. Yeah, definitely. And, and I have a, a couple other moments, but the one of them, I'll do them both together because the one is uh, just a comic book cover which is a funny thing to be a moment, but the, <laughs> the, the cover of the first issue, the image of him like in the clouds, just smiling or not even fully smiling, but just gently like looking over his shoulder. You know what right. I'm talking about? Yeah. That is, that might be my favorite image of Superman. Cause there's so much power in it, but also so much gentleness. Like, that great dynamic because it's it, like a lot of people seem to struggle with how to make someone seem powerful and menacing without them looking really intense. But like this, like you get that sense of power. You get the idea that he can do anything, but you also get the idea that he genuinely cares. Like just, just that kind, soft, gentle look in his face. And a sort of related thing is, I referenced this earlier, but couldn't find it because I forgot where my uh, bookmark was. But uh, this quote by uh, Jorel, you have given them, an, uh, given them an ideal to aspire to, embodied their highest aspirations. They will race and stumble and fall and crawl and curse. And finally... They will join you in the sun, Kal-El. And I just love that like bit of dialogue because that's the best encapsulating of what Superman should mean to these people. He sets this example. People will try to pursue it, stumble, screw up, get angry. But eventually, uh, if you're patient, people will follow that example. Uh, and I'm a big fan of that idea of like setting a good example and just being a good like symbol for people, uh, not for your own sake, but for the sake of humanity as a whole. So I just really connect to that quote. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think another thing that really stood out to this, it's not necessarily a favorite moment, but I think it's something that's worth talking about. There were two issues in here that focused solely on, you know, bizarro world. And I feel like a lot of times when we see Bizarro, it's not even remotely close to being in this way. Usually it's, you know, just Bizarro that we're seeing. And now we get to see this whole world, basically. And, you know, Superman has to stop them from sort of taking over and feeding, I believe is how they put it. <laughs> and there's this one bizarro who does not speak like the rest of them 
and he is really into writing much like superman himself is as clark kent and all he sort of wants is superman to read his writing and take him <laughs> with him so he can sort of be more like him on earth and it was just so interesting to see superman sort of be stuck on this or stuck in this place with them and then have to sort of figure out how to think like them in order to be able to get himself back to earth and like i mentioned earlier he's gone for two months and we don't realize it because you know we're just reading these two issues and it's like oh he was gone that long almost and you know there's replacement superman when he gets back and it's just you know totally different in that instance what right when he gets back and i think it was a creative way to sort of show what happens almost when superman is gone without actually explicitly having to show it yeah uh the whole bizarro thing is an interesting one because the first time i read uh all-star superman those two issues were my least favorite like it because it's so hard to read the bizarro dialogue like it's, right <laughs> It's, it's just real exhausting, which imagine, I guess, living there for two months. But it, it was so, I don't know, like, I almost wanted to skim parts of it the first time I read it. But when I revisited it, I got a newfound appreciation. Like, it's still the hardest couple issues to read due to the dialogue. Of course. But I think, but I think it works really well as sort of this... Uh, depiction of what superman is like amongst everyone else like i didn't pick this pick up on this like the first time but there's a subtle sort of like analogy with like superman speaking to the bizarros and having hope in them and trying to guide them in how hard it is and how that could sort of reflect an extreme version of what it's like when superman deals with humanity and what that Zabaro guy has to deal with, he's sort of like Superman to them as well. But, like, he can't really... He doesn't have the same mentality. He has almost more of a Lex mentality of, like, don't stoop to that level. Right. But when, but when Superman says, like, uh, me am offer Bizarro's chance to be lazy, good-for-nothing slobs, look over there, etc., like, and just, like, the look on his face, uh, like, eventually he gets worn out and it's too much for him, but at least for a time, he's genuinely trying to lead them on to be better, as hopeless as it seems, and I just think that's a really powerful, like, exaggerated version of what he probably feels like amongst normal humanity, that same sort of frustration of trying to guide them, please be better, I feel like I have to dumb myself down so much. Please be better. Uh, but he doesn't give up. And there's still that sort of success. Like he does eventually get out. So there is that sort of hope. But it, it's it's a rough little stretch there. <laughs> yeah. And I think the way that Morrison was able to incorporate it and sort of not necessarily make it a third issue long, but sort of tie it in with the replacement Superman and everything and that story. I think that's what sort of made the two issues worth it, too, because, you know, Superman gets to see firsthand what would happen 
like I said, if you were gone. And it's just one of those things where it's a unique story tossed into this already unique story for Superman. And I think for me, really, those were the things that stood out to me. And, you know, obviously the moments you mentioned as well stand out. But are there any other moments you want to talk about? Or do we just want to get into some final thoughts here? Uh, we could probably do final thoughts because I could probably come up with so many other moments if I, <laughs> if I thought too long on it. We could just talk about all the moments and ruin the comic <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> just, just a however many week podcast series, a podcast on each and every page. And as I say that, I'm making that joke, but literally now I need to mention one more moment, the literal first page, <laughs> because the first page is like fantastic, a simple one page, four panels, uh, what is it, eight words, but it sums up his entire origin. Uh, and it, like, what took in Man of Steel, like, over a half hour, I want to say, like, they summed up here. And that's not to say that you can't tell origin stories. Like, I think there's interesting stuff to tell there. But, like, the way that it's so beautifully and succinctly like describes who he is and where he's from it's just so good uh and 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 yeah well i we we could do a podcast series on like every single page (laughs) yeah easily pretty much but for me i think really my final thoughts on the comic are Morrison and Quietly did such a great job and even Jamie Grant working on this together and sort of making the whole thing what it was because for the story portion, you know, Superman dying could have gone in such a dark direction and you sort of could have just seen complete destruction in Metropolis because Superman was dying and instead, like you said earlier, Morrison gives him a lot more power And that's sort of what enables him to still be Superman while he's dying. And, you know, at the end, we still have Lois sort of holding on to that hope that we talked about that was there throughout the whole comic for Superman specifically. And, you know, obviously we see that he is not dead by the end of the comic, but they sort of leave it open-ended and it's like, okay, so he's in the sun basically and is he ever going to come out sort of thing or is this something where he's going to have to stay there to keep the sun alive and working in proper order and everything like that so I think just the way the whole thing came together is what makes this so great and I know obviously if you go read like Goodreads reviews or Amazon reviews there are people who aren't going to like this comic but that's you you know, that's life and that's going to happen with every piece of artwork or comics or books or anything creative ever. Some people will like it. Some people won't. Some people will absolutely love it like the two of us just so happen to. So I would still highly recommend this for anyone who either is into Superman and hasn't read it or just wants to get into maybe DC or comics or Superman in general. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are people who will think that this isn't good there are people who are gonna think that batman's better than superman you're allowed to be wrong but (laughs) i I had to get that in there but uh 
I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, since you're newer to Superman, like, what are your feelings on the character in general? Like, as we wrap up here, since so you've read this and like a few other things, like, how do you feel about the character right now? I think right now I'm obviously enjoying the comic book versions of the character a lot more than the film versions and even Superman appearing in Supergirl. I think that version of him fit way better with the comics in that sort of sense. You know, he was sort of this, I don't want to say necessarily happy-go-lucky, but he was just more upbeat and you can tell he had that clumsiness to him sorry for anyone who has not been watching supergirl but you know (laughs) that same clumsiness we see not to the extent in all-star superman but just that we've known clark kent to have in general too and i think you know obviously having read pretty much this and like i said secret identity and i'm reading the current superman series and action comics and rebirth and i do believe i read morrison's first volume on action comics but i don't remember it too well so i might have to go back and give that a reread but you know i've been enjoying the comics i just don't know why but i sort of just went towards batman first and i think because it was at the time when snyder and capullo were still doing their run So, you know, I had people recommend that to me. I had people recommend, you know, Why the Last Man and some of these comics that were either still going or had just recently wrapped up or that sort of thing. And I think Superman sort of just took a back seat because I found myself sort of diving into a bunch of these things. And as you know, I have Marvel Unlimited, too. So I really started diving into that when I first got it. So, you know, there's just so many comics to read that it's hard to necessarily focus on all the characters you want to focus on at the same time. So I feel like now I'm sort of slowly starting to get into the Superman comics even more. Yeah, and it's, I I think uh, a lot of people, like, go to, like, these other things like Batman and whatnot because they're just easier characters, as I said earlier, like, to do, to handle and I think I think a lot of people don't know what to do with Superman because at a glance he seems kind of weak. Uh, and by weak, I mean he's so strong that the potential like seems weak. Uh, and I think a lot of that is the problem with like the Zack Snyder version of the character. Like I I feel like Zack Snyder is someone who doesn't really like superman as weird as it is like since he made a movie and a half about him right but you, you just get the feeling that he's a big batman fan a big watchman fan not a fan of superman and doesn't understand why people like him and the first time i saw man of steel in theaters i mostly really liked it and didn't get why people were mad at him killing zod at the end because i was in my phase where I didn't really care much about Superman. But, like, as I got back into, like, reading more comics and got back into the groove of things and fell back in love with the character of Superman even more than I had before, I retroactively came to hate more and more what Snyder did with the character because it's so much the antithesis of the character. And... Like, you can even see that in the way that he handled Lex Luthor. Like, like Lex isn't this brilliant, intelligent, arrogant, 
like person. He's this weird, awkward, quirky, borderline effeminate character, and he's the villain. And like Superman, to be Superman, it's like, oh, he's got to be big, menacing, intense, masculine, threatening. And it's like, no, it's he's gentle, and that's part of it. But people like Zack Snyder, people like some of your average comic book readers just think, oh, Superman, you can't possibly have that much power and not, like, be a terrible person. Like, I, there's a quote of uh, Batman from some Superman comic. I think it was after Superman died in the 90s, uh, before he came back, where, like, Batman said something about, like, Superman being a god amongst men who didn't realize that he was. But the reality is Superman does realize it, but he cares about people. And I don't know. In our, in our cynical post-9-11 world, I don't know, you could do all sorts of miscellaneous commentaries for hours on that. But I, I think people just have trouble believing you can have someone with genuinely good intentions. The same reason why before Winter Soldier, people thought Captain America was lame. People just can't accept, for whatever reason, that somebody could have genuinely good intentions for people. But I don't know. I, I'm an optimist, so I love Superman. I think, too, what part of the problem is that, you know, you mentioned Captain America not becoming super popular until after the movies and everything. And obviously with Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, that really put Batman on this other level for a lot of people who went and saw those movies. And I think because movies are so much more mainstream than comics are, especially the comic book movies specifically, I think that sort of draws a lot of people into these characters and then maybe that translates into who they read in the comics if they start getting into comics and wanting to know the whole story and everything. And I feel like because of how the Superman movies have been received as of late, that might deter people from wanting to dive into the character because they're like, oh, well, I don't really like how he's portrayed in this, so why should I spend my time trying to find a version of the character that I do like when, you know, if it's going to be anything like this, I just don't want any part of it. So I think, too, part of it is that Batman is human. And I think that sort of draws in a lot of people, especially for the comics, because while obviously not everyone is rich and can necessarily relate to the Bruce Wayne side of Batman, you know, there's still this tragedy there that I think not everyone will relate to because obviously what happened to, you know, characters like Batman and Spider-Man is to the extreme. But I think having that sort of helps. And obviously Superman has tragedy too. You know, his whole home planet is destroyed. So I think a lot of people just might not necessarily either grasp the grasp that or understand it enough to put effort into learning more about Superman. And, and I think a lot of people also consciously or subconsciously think very much so with their fists, with might, with power. So there was one uh, interview I saw once on YouTube with Grant Morrison, and he said, like, people were questioning him, like, 
how do you make Superman uh, interesting? Like, he's so powerful. Like, no one can beat him. Like, what is, like, he has no weakness. And Grant Morrison just laughed. It's like, his emotions, it's an emotional story. Like, but for whatever reason, people are really into, in superheroes and whatnot, the idea of that physical competition. I think people almost want their superhero, their action stories to be, uh, like the fantasy version of watching a football game. Like, they want that even competition. But, I mean, sometimes that's not the point. Sometimes you can have a good emotional story, uh, as was proven recently with the movie Logan. Like, there are these, there are people who are challenging that idea and making more heartfelt stories. And I think that's going to open it up. Like, I think when Superman inevitably comes back in Justice League and then they make uh, Man of Steel 2 with whoever they pick to do it, I I think there's going to be that turnaround and people are going to come to realize there's more battles than just battles with your fists. There's battles of the mind and the heart. And And I think if they get the right filmmaker... Uh, for Superman, I think they can really turn around that perception and prove a lot of people wrong. Again, like Winter Soldier did with Captain America. And thankfully, there's some really good comics, too, uh, right now. Like, thankfully, at the time Man of Steel came out, the Superman was the Superman of New 52's reboot, which was really sort of angrier and angstier and younger, too. But now, in the comics right now, there's that restored Superman. And he's a Superman who's a husband and a father. And making Superman a father is such a great decision. Because it, again, brings it back to that sort of uh, compassionate idea and getting to the heart of it. Which, anyone listening to this who likes comics and doesn't know where to start, just jump into the Superman comics right now. Seriously, Superman's really good. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And... I think that sort of wraps it up here. Obviously, Tim, this was a great conversation, and I would definitely love to have you back on for future episodes. I know we've already discussed it a bit, so you know we'll continue to do that and see what other comics or comic book movies or shows we could talk about. But thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a real delight. No problem. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.